Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Galron. Kabla! And Captain Corey. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Well, I don't know if they even use that in Star Trek anymore, but how about Happy Holidays and Happy New Year for this spookiest of Star Trek episodes? Because it's spooky season, you know, with all the Christmas creep and holiday. I'm surprised it's they're not going to start putting ghosts up in CVS and little costumes. <laughs> I, from your lips to God's ears, Corey, I would love if it was spooky season year round. In fact, it basically is. This it, like, Klingon approves of Halloween. So you guys want like Halloween to start after Christmas? <laughs> Just immediately after yeah. Christmas. What about Valentine's Day? It deserves its own season. Boo. I'm Just saying. That's, that's how you can have the Halloween creep is because nobody cares about Valentine's Day. I've talked about this before, but my the, the holiday I hate the most is New Year's Eve because it can finds the worst part of like every other holiday go on um, like there's fireworks fourth of july fireworks are, they're kind of boring and they suck and they're bad like for the fireworks? environment they're just i don't know it's and you have to like uh, like another thing is you have to stay up late right like it's not like fireworks the great Clint, thing about you stay july. up late every night i see your green dot on discord so don't give me that bullshit i was asleep by like six o'clock last night he just likes to have Discord open so people can come and listen to him sleep whenever they want, Corey. Jeez. Yeah, that's my ASMR channel. It's just me snoring. That I, that I, that is that is something I I can see you doing. You're just like you're always in your voice channel, and people just pop in and be like, "Clint, I know you're sleeping, but I just want you to know I love you." And then they hop out, and then that enters your dreams, and you just like a little smile creeps across your face you, you hope that's what they're saying and not clint i know you're sleeping but i just popped in to talk about an alligator wearing shoes and he's hanging out with your mom <laughs> and you're late for class yep. and your teeth are and falling out na- oh, no. and you're naked and so is your mom <laughs> all right well this podcast has gone too far <laughs> too far into my dream i know clint's mom sometimes listens to this episode and i yeah. hear these episodes and i just want to say i didn't say that emily did <laughs> well you missed the part of the recording where we said Corey is the most normal out of the three of us, so no one's surprised. <laughs> yeah, that was not recorded. That That's all to say that this is our perfectly timed Halloween episode for the spookiest episode of Star Trek I've ever seen. Yes. All right, let's, let's get into it. So uh, this episode is uh, Cat Spa W. What? <laughs> What's the name of the episode? Cat, Cat Spa W. Clint, it's Cat Spa West. Duh. <laughs> Is there a W after the name of the episode? Yeah, it's Cat Spa W. This is Planet W, where there's a cat spa on the planet. Hold cat on. I'm going to look at my Plex server here and see what it's called. <laughs> I mean, uh, not Plex. I mean, Netflix. Cat not, Spa. <laughs> not Netflix. Your you uh, Paramount paramount premiere yeah i got this on paramount plus love their products love their services i just see it as cat spa one word i don't know what stupid joke you're making it's cat spa it's cat spa w it's planet w okay and they're they're visiting a cat spa 
right, where yeah. kitties go to get little massages. I, and I see what the joke was. <laughs> that was a pretty stupid joke. You guys ready? <laughs> oh, wait, did you tell uh, us who be, wrote it? It's going to be one of those episodes. It's going to be one of those. Okay, it's Cat's, cat's Paw. Like, it's the cat's father. Cat's Paw. Paw. Cat's Paw. <laughs> Let's move past the title. <laughs> I actually thought it was cat's paw, like rock the cat's paw, rock the cat's paw. Exactly. Now you're getting it. All right. So spoiler warning for cat's spa. Um, <laughs> this episode first aired uh, October 27th, 1967. It was written by Robert Block and was directed by Jeff uh, Pevney. Oh, Good cool. old Bobby B and Jeff. The right. dream team. Um, so this is like the only holiday episode ever in Star Trek. No, like there's this... a Thanksgiving episode. No, they just mentioned Thanksgiving. Are you talking about Charlie shit? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. also isn't there like a what's that Charles Dickens where he sees all the different ghosts? A Christmas Carol yeah. one of TNG. cold open of TNG. Yeah. Yeah, Explained. like they, they're doing like a play or something, but. What's going on with this Also, in Star Trek Generations, the TNG movie, Captain Picard gets transported to a Christmas universe where he has to resist the thrall of Christmas in order to save himself. Shut up. That's not real. (laughs) It's totally is real, Emily. Haven't you seen Star Trek Generations? No. No, it totally. Have you seen it, Clint? Are Are you being snide? Yeah, I've seen it. Do you remember the Christmas scene where he has to resist Christmas and how wonderful yeah. it is? Yeah, yes, exactly. And and uh, Kirk is there. Stop! I can tell by looks... Clint's tone of voice that he's making this up. No, he, no, Kirk's Kirk's there riding a horse. Yeah, no, I swear to God, this this is how generation or yeah generations works. He gets transported to this like this place where if you decide to stay, it's a wonderful place, and you get all of yeah. your fantasies. Uh, and Kurt, or Picard's offer to stay is, oh, you can go inside the house and join your family for Christmas and have the life you never got to have. And he's like, no, I have to go back to my ship. I still don't believe you. Okay, well, we're, we're going to watch Generations. Yeah, we're going to, don't worry, we'll get there in like three years or something. <laughs> um, but Data gets emotions. and I definitely uh, thought that sentence was going to end with a different <laughs> word. <laughs> All right, so anyway... Uh, seven minutes into this podcast, uh, let's start. Uh, so yeah, Cat Spa. Um, hol- it's a, a it is a Halloween episode. Corey, why don't you kick us off here and, okay. and tell us what's going on in this episode? You got it. Scotty and Sulu are on an away mission. There's a third member of their away mission, and it's this third like nobody who says he's ready to beam up alone. So something what? happened on the planet. And before that, Kirk's like, I want to talk to my friends. And O'Hara's like, we can't talk to them, sir. So it's real suspicious. His name's Jackson, this third red shirt. Actually, he's wearing a yellow shirt. But he beams up. And then the second he gets on the teleporter pad, he like falls over dead. And then uh, out of his corpse, because he's opening his mouth, there's like, you know, that 1960s God ethereal voice. Like it's this, it, we all know the voice. It's the same voice in every 1960s show. It's like Captain Kirk, there is a curse on your ship. Leave this place or die. And then we get the opening credits. Yeah, it comes. The guy like falls down dead and then it like 
comes out of his body. It's like when you're a little kid and you're pretending to be asleep so your parents will carry you in from the car. <laughs> That's what it looks like, but he's like pretending to sleep talk. He just wants Kirk to carry him to to the <laughs> to med bay. bay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, Captain Kirk, take care of this ensign like he was your best friend. Carry him to his bed and give him milk and cookies. Yes, or you'll be cursed. <laughs> So Kirk doesn't do that. He instead, uh, he Kirk Bone Spock beam down to the planet <laughs> to find Scotty and Sulu. So Kirk Bones and Spock go down, um, and they are totally disregarding the voice's instructions. By the way, he was told to turn around. So they go down to an ice planet. Well, it's an ice set with a fog machine, and they try to contact the Enterprise, but there's too much interference. Maybe it's the fog. They're getting my favorite techno babble yet, which is that uh, Spock goes, "There's fog, but I getting sensor readings that there's no water on this planet. There shouldn't be any atmospheric conditions to make fog." And I was like, "That is how you do techno babble. You don't use it to solve every problem. You just use it to make the plot better." That is a great point. Like you can say whatever you want. Like a plus b equals c. A plus b can be anything you want at all and that's good techno babble so i totally agree with you i just wanna i just wanted to say that i like how like whenever this happens like someone goes missing on a planet like they don't ever like change their strategy they're just like well we're gonna send more people down and hopefully that fixes the problem right like, not, not like, only <laughs> more people we're gonna send the most important people down <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay, I wanted to add here that during the Galileo 7 episode, Emily brought up that it's stupid that they don't have any other way to contact an away party. And Emily, Clint and I made fun of you for saying that. And I just want to say, I'm sorry. And I, I'm sure Clint's, Clint is sorry. I'll never but apologize to Emily. <laughs> now, now, that being said, you did have a dumb idea that they should etch messages onto the rock so the ship could see it from orbit, which was which is not a good idea. But I do think that there's other things that they could do. Like they can't contact the Enterprise. Maybe they could put like a like a a laser rod down that like beams up a Morse code message or something. A space flare signal. Listen, I'm not gonna pretend that I remember making that comment. I don't entirely, but it's a good idea, and I stand by it. And I will never apologize to Clint either. Well, glad we got we, that cleared up we can mediate this this is great yeah. <laughs> they they keep wandering this ice canyon um oh wait i forgot <laughs> they find three spooky ghosts skip that part no, accidentally no. it's the best part <laughs> I know. very Macbeth of, the, of them it's Macbeth. like three floating heads and their makeup is like clay just kind of slapped on their face and they have the exact spooky ghost voice that you can picture in your head if someone was like make a spooky ghost voice and i uh, think we should each take turns to recreate that as best as we can whoa captain Kirk! remember the curse wind shall rise you'll never go back to your ship they were singing guys they had operatic voices did you hear their singing like they all sung in a different pitch and they had like they were rhyming and it was like a song yeah it was kind of like if goats could rhyme ghosts or goats did you say goats i said goats come on we're not that bad Captain Captain Kirk. oh i have a joke for you guys 
Okay. Is it about goats? Yeah, what does a ghost goat say? Boo. Bah. Nope. Bah. So these these uh <laughs> ghosts have <laughs> They have creepy makeup on. They look like bloated zombie ghosts. They were supposed to they were supposed to uh be just heads floating, but they couldn't get the bodies to dis- like they wrapped them in these turtlenecks and you can totally see their clothes still. Or they're just like this did not work out. This special effect did not work out. Well, maybe that's why Kirk's scared face looks very similar to his <laughs> I'm aroused face. <laughs> and Bones looks like he's trying to see what's going on through the most blinding of hangover headaches. <laughs> the the ghosts aren't aren't really ever explained. They are kind of, but you think it's gonna they're gonna <laughs> feature more. Um But let's go ahead and move on with this episode because I think that Anything after this episode, it we can save our comments for the end, I guess. But I just want to do a little spoiler for my part. This episode really starts to tank at this point. When you have ghosts that sound like goats, you've clearly peaked. I don't know how you expected it to do anything other than tank. Oh, I do like after the ghosts, uh, Kirk like looks over at Spock and he's like, Spock, comment. And then Spock <laughs> says, very bad poetry. <laughs> yep. This is why you're not invited to Slam Night anymore, Spock. I, when I was watching that, I was like, I didn't even write that down in my notes because I knew Corey would say it. <laughs> I was like, Corey will remember this. I did write it down and I highlighted it blue in my notes to say that I would say it if nobody else said it. Okay, so they keep wandering this ice canyon and then they come upon a scary haunted castle. Spoopy. There's life forms detected inside. They still can't contact the Enterprise, so they surmise that Scotty and Sulu had the same problem, and those two knuckleheads wandered into the castle. This is a problem I have with this plot line. I mean, it's frustrating that they send the most important person down, but like, there's no evidence that Scotty and Sulu are idiots. There's no reason for them to think that they're not reasonable and that they would contact them or get out of a trap or whatever. So, like, to just be throwing the most important people after these guys doesn't make sense. Like, we've got no indication that they're in danger. They're out Fox. Like, I... What do you mean? A guy just beamed up and died. How are they... How does that... (laughs) You're saying that's not an indication of danger? But, like, then Kirk's like, if you don't hear from me, don't worry about it. I'll figure it out. And I'm like, why doesn't Kirk assume that of Scotty and Sulu? Like, he's he's like... Kirk's just like, God damn it, I'm the only person who does the dishes around here. He's like your beleaguered mom. It's because he's a real man. And oh, that's, that's what that's what the situation needs is someone who punches gods first and asks questions later. No, what the situation needs is what do they say? What do you do if you're if you get lost in the woods? I you sit tight. You hug a tree. You, you stay exactly where you are. Yeah. And the protocol should be: you go down for an away mission. If shit goes bad, like, and you can't contact the ship, you just go back to the beaming coordinates and you wait for other people to beam down. And you wait to get rescued. You don't wander into a castle because that's exactly what Sulu and Scotty did. I can say I agree. And there's also this story of a woman who got lost in the woods and did exactly like what you were saying but she had like wandered a little bit and then was sitting by a waterfall like i'm gonna wait for the people to find me but they were like yelling her name and yelling her name but because she was sitting next to a fucking waterfall she couldn't hear them oh and like 
that's what you're supposed to do is like find a mo- like find some big obvious thing and just wait there. Um I think they found her eventually, but it took a little bit uh longer to find her. That's an extraneous circumstance. I agree. You got to do some common <laughs> sense as well. Yeah. So if you ever get lost, you get by a big object that's very quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you just sit there. Okay, so Kirk, Bones, and Spock wander into this castle, and the first thing we see is a scary black cat that hisses at them. Uh, meow. Yeah, uh, you got it. I will say, as someone who has three cats, including two black cats, and works at an animal shelter, I was thrilled to see a cat making an appearance. Yeah, and it's a real first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what do they do with the cat? They kill it. They don't kill it. They stomp on it. <laughs> they do exactly what I would do. They follow it. <laughs> That's how I die. Following Which was a cat a somewhere I shouldn't go. Because <laughs> it leads them to a trap. Yep. Yeah. And the cat is super pumped when they fall into the trap. It's really funny. Oh, I do. Have... So Kirk, so they're looking at this cat and then Kirk's like, oh, it's like, and he's looking at the castle and everything that's going on. He's like, oh, it's like trick or treating. And then Spock says trick or treat and i call bullshit on spock saying that because in shore leave spock was the only person on the entire crew to know what a theme park was none of the other humans did so you know he got his like minor in human culture or some shit he would know what halloween is well he's half human too but he he did not know what trick-or-treat was and later in the episode are we to assume that that means that halloween dies out but theme parks do not well no because spock like theme parks aren't a thing anymore either but i think spock is just trying to hide that he's a huge he loves halloween he's just <laughs> trying to play it cool i like, like that's his favorite holiday like like he like made his parents do halloween every year for him yeah on on vulcan oh yeah <laughs> Uh, th- there's some like there's a new dude on in charge of the Enterprise while Kirk's gone. His name's Dasal. Like he sucks. Like, He's boring. Yeah. I don't Nothing. care who the interim yeah. captain is. Get out of here. I wrote notes on like all the little cutaway scenes to him and how he solves his problems, but we're not going to talk about them because it doesn't matter. I I will say once again, one of my notes about the cutaway scenes is that I am so glad that Chekhov's hair grew in, and he's definitely not wearing a terrible wig anymore. This was this was like uh this was shot first in the season. Like they shot this episode first. Um but then they held it for for Halloween. So Walter was still wearing his uh like bad monkey's wig at this time before his hair grew in. Mm. Well, that's a pretty familiar relationship you have with Walter Koenig. I don't recall <laughs> you using any of the other actors' first old, names when referring to them. Good old Waltz. Especially because in the last episode you called him the guy who plays Chekhov and Corey <laughs> scolded you. <sighs> yeah, I'm I am not secret a- uh secret Russian agent. I do not know Walter. So the uh Kirk, Bones, and Spock fall through this hole and then they wake up chained to a dungeon wall. It's I will they- say first of all when they they fall into like a pit and then the cat there's like a shot of the cat like coming up and like it's got a little collar on and it's like purring and rubbing its head on the hole like it's clearly happy that they're in there 
Uh, and there's lots of shots of the cat just like toddling around. It's adorable and hilarious. The real star of this episode was the cat. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely like four cats, but they are all the stars. <laughs> Did you guys yeah. notice in the dungeon, there's that skeleton that's chained up next to them? Just to like yeah. show that people have died down here. Uh, but like you can clearly see the metal wires in the skeleton. I don't know if you guys saw that too, but there's, it's just like wrapped in metal wires. It's just taken out of a <laughs> middle not. school science classroom. Bones is like, I am not impressed. <laughs> this is clearly... <laughs> A fake this skeleton. is clearly a rearticulated skeleton. <laughs> the um, the waking up chain to the dungeon, like they're standing up and their hands are like goalposts, kind of. And I was just like, "This is the most Zaff Brannigan shot we have seen yet." <laughs> like it's one hundred. You can totally see Zaff Brannigan being in this thing. Like, oh no, am I in a sex dungeon? I'll have to flirt to get out of this pickle. <laughs> Yeah, with like his little skirt just like riding up right <laughs> under his ball sack. Oh no, it's so drafty in this dungeon. I think they're like that happened in an episode, the one where they go to the planet of the Amazons. They are like chained against a wall like this. So I feel like that's probably a good, uh, a good nod to this episode. So there's going to be another Futurama thing that comes up a little bit later regarding Sulu, and I look forward to getting to that. With oh, you guys. <laughs> speaking of sulu who happens to walk into this this underground dungeon uh sulu, sulu? and scotty yeah <gasps> whoa look at that uh, segue and i'll just like before this like they start to hypothesize because like this is some crazy stuff that's going on and all that they can determine at this point is that these are all things that terrify humans on an instinctual level you know ghosts castles cobwebs i can't even say <laughs> those words without, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's too scary it's too scary well and i just like to because like um sulu and scotty walk in and they're all deadpan or whatever and mccoy instantly clocked it. he's like they've been drugged i can tell by how dilated their eyes are yeah he was wrong i did make a joke about like oh, well, at least Bones is here to describe when people are dead. But, you know, I guess he's earning his pay there. Quit quit, quit holding out, guys. So <laughs> Give me some is... drugs. I'm so sober. You have no idea how terrible this is. Yeah, have you seen Dope Sick? It's like that. Uh, so this is like <laughs> the first episode recorded. Um, Bones serves no purpose whatsoever in this episode. Like, he doesn't even have... I think he's he's he tells Kirk that someone's dead at the start of the episode and then he has this drug line and then immediately after this he's going to go and get brainwashed and he does not have a line for the rest of the episode like he probably has three lines so this is a pretty <laughs> disturbing trend I don't know I didn't really care for Bones in the first season I found him annoying and just like whiny so he he has become like less annoying he's like this weird like antagonist on the ship's crew like he's always like we need someone to be annoying in this episode make mccoy do it so i wish mccoy like he's he he's still kind of like a background character these days i don't feel like he's really done that much in in many episodes you know in the, this whole season he's definitely a curmudgeon i i wonder if this is like uh um an era thing like you know mm. in older movies they sometimes have like the drunk uncle or whatever who's just sort of not really with it but is being kind of like cranky or i don't know like it would have been like a slapstick oh bones but that's just not translating in a weird way 
I don't know, guys. I feel like there's some hot goss going on behind the scenes that we don't know about because he had a dramatic cut in his lines and how much he shows up in episodes. Maybe he was filming a movie. Maybe he got in a fight with Gene. I don't know, but there's something going on. I think, Uh... though, um, there was a note. um, Oh, like in this episode, they changed the episode credits from here on. And DeForest Kelly's name is added to the opening credits. So maybe he's becoming more of a feature player. I'm not sure. Like maybe he was like more focused on and then he kind of faded into the background. And now I don't know. He's more of a feature player. I'm not it sure. could also just be that they got the budget or the permanence to hire more people because we didn't have checkoff at all in the first season. And Sulu is certainly appearing more. Ohura has more speaking lines. So it does seem like maybe they're trying to aim for more of an ensemble and they just haven't figured out how to get that like even for everybody yet. Well, I think too, there was um, a, a trivia note on this episode that I think this is the first time that this kind of, let me see here it is. Uh, this is the first episode to feature all seven of the classic cast members um, who were brought back for future big screen adventures. So Kirk, Spock, McCoy, um, Scotty, Ohura, Sulu, and Chekhov. So those are like the main the main characters. That, that kind of... <laughs> Clint, I really wish you put Bone second in that list because that would have been a hell of a feat. <laughs> okay, uh, where are we at? Okay, so the two enter the dungeon. Um, Scotty and Sulu enter the dungeon and they are holding a phaser. So yeah, they're totally brainwashed. They bring the away. They bring the away crew to a red velvet throne room where sits a. Does anyone want to describe him? A cat's paw. No, no, it's the cat's paw best friend. It's the lead singer to Smash Mouth. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. With like a, a a lot of black eyeshadow and then like this caftan that has this like sequins eye on his chest. The eye is awesome. I loved his costume. Yeah, he's wearing like a robe with this eye on it that's like the way like colorful way or rays are coming out from it. It's very uh it's very boho. I liked it as well. Um <clears throat> but... can, I pro- can I propose a name for the episode real quick? Sure. The one with the smash mouth warlock. <laughs> Cut it, print it. It's good. It's gold. <laughs> his name's Korab. Um, so apparently this wizard's robe appeared uh, like 10 months earlier on a Gilligan's Island episode. What? In a dream sequence. Yeah. Uh, I like he was to like think... a fairy godfather or something like that. I like um, to think that it was Karab doing some weird thing. Like canonically that dream is in the same universe. <laughs> oh, it probably cool. is. Yeah. <laughs> But so there, there are different studios. So no one knows if they like borrowed the same robe or the Star Trek people just liked it so much that they they remade it and used it for their own show. Oh, buddy, this whole episode has just airs of they had a haunted castle set <laughs> yes. open for the week and they had to write an episode around that. OK, so they talk to the guy. It turns out he can talk to his cat. Which was weird. Yeah, the, I don't know. And the cat is clearly the boss of the situation. Oh, the cat was his wife. Okay, I get it now. I didn't really connect <laughs> that until just now. Um, 
Korok. I was going to make a joke, right? I don't know if you're being serious or not. No, no, I didn't. I thought I didn't. I can the his wife turn into the cat? Like she can transform into either, or was like the cat a third member of their group? No, 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 no. the The cat is the lady. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't make that connection. Spoiler alert. Because the cat walks behind a door and then the lady comes out. I guess I never saw the three of them at the same time. It's like No Country for Old Men. The yeah. main characters <laughs> never appear together on screen at the same time. Oh, okay, so Korab invites them to dinner. And then, oh, suddenly Spock knows a whole bunch about human mythology because he tells Kirk and Bones that, oh, yeah, wizards used to have uh, animal familiars. Why like, would he, he know that, that and not trick or treat? I think there's... I only one true explanation, which is that Spock is trolling Kirk. Absolutely. Or he's just control. He's just hiding his like Dungeons and Dragons habit. He's. I like to think that he's like these guys think I'm so fucking racist. I'm just gonna <laughs> troll them all the time. That's why whenever he says something like that, like trick or treat, I don't know that Kirk just looks at him like, "Are you serious right now, or what?" Well, like Kirk's Kirk, like, what does he like, Emily? <laughs> He's like, I made a face, and then I was like, wait, you guys can't see that. But then I thought you were going to talk. No, Kirk's like, talks to Spock a lot, and he always looks at him like, do you really not know this? Or do you, are you joking with me? Like, he just gets this quizzical look on his face and never responds to him. No, Kirk knows that uh, Spock is, is fucking around. He's just like, oh, typical Spock. Yeah, I'm not going to feed into this. I've told you. We've had talks. This is inappropriate. (laughs) Stop pretending you don't know what things are. Guys, Korab summons a wonderful dinner for them, and they refuse to eat. And this is something that bothers me. Many times now, the crew has been invited to a lavish dinner. I can name Squire. Apollo did it. And then Mm -hmm. now here. And they never take advantage of the free dinner. They never eat. They're always very rude. Yeah, like yeah. why 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 wouldn't you eat? If you know it's an illusion, then that's like a guilt-free dinner. Like <laughs> I'd drink the goddamn gravy if I knew that it wasn't going to do anything to me. Yeah, so I mean, in folklore like whenever you're in another realm like a spirit realm or a fairy realm, you're not supposed to eat or drink anything or else they can keep you there. Mhm. That's a good point. But I I agree with you, though. They are like this was a note I made where they're just like immediately like, I hate you. I'm not going to cooperate with you. Like, what have you done? And they're like, dude, let's just talk about it. We can figure it out. And well, Kirk is just like, no, I do want to remind you, they did start off by just killing someone. If someone like killed one of your pets and then like mailed it to you, would you go over and be like, OK, I'll eat your food emily so the crewman is kirk's pets yes yeah like you how you guys are like my pets Mm. (laughs) that's how this works i did not like that setup at all (laughs) i could see it from a mile away Uh, okay so korab replaces the food with precious gems when he sees that no one's gonna eat and then kirk's like i can just replicate these on the ship this is stupid this is like a bad bribe and then Korab is like, oh, you passed the test. The spooky castle and the wonderful bribes that I'm trying to give you were just to try and make you leave. But I can see that you're brave enough to want to save your crew. And so I like you can tell he's tap dancing now. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> it's and it's stupid because like Korab turns out later to be like 
the good guy in this episode, but like they just start him off with like trying like his the sec his wife enters the room right after this, and he takes a backseat the entire episode because she's wearing. Wait, 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 wait! Just because Corey apparently doesn't remember this, the cat like meows at Corab, and he's like, "Oh, well, sure, if you think that's what we should do." And then there's like this shot of the camera lovingly panning as the cat toddles out of the room. And they all watch this fluffy black cat go. And then, like that, a sexy lady in like a see-through caftan comes in. And she's like, well, hello, it's me. My name is Sylvia. I certainly wasn't a cat just now. Okay, you're right. And I've already admitted I did not connect that those <laughs> were the same character. I thought they were three distinct characters. I'm sorry. Uh, you, have, you have to be punished, Corey. That's how you learn. <laughs> Okay, so Korab's wife, Sylvia, enters, and she starts monologuing. I didn't really give a shit about anything she was saying. She's, like, telepathic, and she can put images in people's heads and make illusions. She made this castle. Oh, there's uh, so many entrances into the human mind. You have so many levels that are unguarded. Mm. You can understand things you can't even understand about yourselves. Like, Ooh. everyone's afraid of ghosts. <laughs> Look at my boobs. <laughs> it's an entryway into your mind. <laughs> Many episodes have technobabble. This episode has psychobabble. <laughs> oh my god, I hated it. I hated it so much. Uh, so she like takes out this keychain with the Enterprise on it, and she hangs it over a candle. And she like she's like, "Go ahead, you can contact your ship now." And then so Kirk contacts the ship, and and I, I forgot who answers. Dasal's Dasal, and then Chekhov, and they're like, "Oh, the temperature of the ship has increased by sixty degrees. We're burning up." Yeah, take off your wig. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting hot in here, so take off all your wigs. (laughs) He's like Rudy Giuliani-ing, like, just like, see all the glue just melting off of the wig. Okay, so she puts the keychain, she puts the keychain away and then laughs, and then they encase the keychain into like this ice block so now the enterprise can't come and save them it's in a force field uh and at this point i was getting pretty annoyed with the episode because the couple clearly wants something but they're not saying what they want they just like keep like flexing their psychic nuts yes (laughs) kirk refuses to cooperate flexing their nuts (laughs) they're psychic nuts. yeah emily haven't you ever flexed haven't you ever seen a man flex his nuts it's very impressive no, I didn't know that that was a thing. How? What? It's, it's how muscle. we assert dominance. It's in the our... it's the cytashios. <laughs> what what happens if you flex your nuts while you're like going to the bathroom or or using oh don't your do penis? that yeah no don't I do mean that. it it increases the pr- the pressure it, it to like a laser it's a laser beam. Oh, that must be why there's always so much liquid on the floors coming out of men's bathrooms. They're breaking <laughs> the urinals with their nut flexing. Yeah, because if another guy sees you, you got to flex your nuts. It's certainly not peeing on the floor. <laughs> Instead of cat's paw, I would have named this episode Brain Kegels. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> so appropriate. <laughs> Sorry, Clint's mom. 
god not only did you make that joke but you killed clint oh okay i so, just Corey. so you know they're not married though right <laughs> that he tries to get married to her later in the episode yeah but like the the these weird people they're not wife and husband or anything they're just like work colleagues yeah yeah it's professional it's professional I will say, you're right, this is really boring in a weird plot breaking point where they're like, give us what we want. And Kirk's like, no. And I'm like, nobody knows what they want. Like, maybe this is just like a super reasonable thing. And then like, they kind of hint that they want technology, but then they're like, we could make anything we want. We need your dreams. And I'm like, what it's are they super talking unclear. about? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Kirk refuses to cooperate and Spock and Kirk and Bones are sent back to the dungeon. Oh wait, no, the doctor has to stay. So it's just Spock and Kirk are sent back to the dungeon. There's already Bones in the dungeon. There, okay, that's fine. There's a tiny little scene where our impetuous Captain DeSalle, who's in charge of the Enterprise, says he's going to try and shoot through the force field. And I wouldn't mention it except for a line that he says. Ooh, Did, can I guess what it is? Yeah, go for it. Is it, I'll bet you credits to Navy Beans? <laughs> yeah, he says, maybe we can't destroy the force field, but I bet you credits to Navy Beans, we can put a dent in it. Oh, I absolutely wrote that down. I was like, what is happening? What the, what does that mean? It's supposed to be like some sort of currency in a Navy Beans. I mean, it's not... Uh... Navy Beans? It's supposed to be, uh, I bet nickels to Navy Beans, I think. Wait, hold on. You were what? like two navy beans. Oh wait, nickels. Do you yeah. convert beans to American currency? Like that's your first form of counting things. I think in beans. All right, people. It's just it's how I grew up. It's beans and nuts. We use beans as currency, people. Damn it, Jim. I'm just a simple country doctor. I don't know this about credits. I measure everything in beans. My pay, my alcohol, a man's blood left in his body. And this one's only got five beans left. We gotta go. So they're all chained up in this dungeon and Spock and Kirk are alone now. And they again start to hypothesize about what's going on. Okay, just just stick with me and then just try and tell me if I... I don't know. Let's talk about this. But Spock (laughs) says that this all follows the psychological theory of racial subconscious. So all these symbols that they're seeing like cats and uh, haunted houses and cobwebs, they belong to the twilight world of conscious of the consciousness of the subconscious of the subconscious. And so they, they tried to tap their conscious minds, but they accidentally probed their subconscious minds, hence the symbols. And that's what's going on in this episode like what i mean it's like some really stupid carl Jung stuff like the collective unconscious and the Jungian archetypes like i felt like they were going for that but they made it dumb it's supposed to be stuff like that yeah like everyone's afraid like these are like when you're dreaming you know where you're like falling to sleep these are like the things that like make you scared or like i don't know or in your in your brain yeah, well, like, the Jungian archetypes are this, he's, like, had this idea that all stories and in all eras have um, these patterns and these things that are recognizable, and it's because humans have this collective unconscious. So, like, 
um, I think like a trickster god or like the outlaw and like he has these ideas, the caregiver. So like in all stories and all eras, you'll find these archetypes because it was this idea that he, I don't know, it's dumb. I don't know. It, saying it's dumb is a little bit rude, but like, uh, I don't know, like another one is like the flood. Like there's stories of great floods in like almost every culture's mythology and so the, the Jungian archetypes kind of talk about that. Um, like he says, humans are born with this collective unconsciousness that everybody can like tap into. Um, and I think that's what they're going for with this racial memory, which I was like, you don't like that word. Yeah, it's like the writer read like a big fancy new groundbreaking tome. And he's like, oh, my God, I want to center my episode around this. And he like <laughs> it, he left it so esoteric and, and kind of difficult to parse but he still left the language in and he built an entire script around this thing that was just like, didn't make any sense. I mean, maybe it did to him, but it really, really made the episode suffer. Well, I will say I never thought about this until um, you said this just now, but have y'all heard about Joseph Campbell and a hero's journey? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that is basically taking the same idea and is like, okay, all stories like follow this trajectory, um, this monomyth. And I'm trying to find, oh, Hero with a Thousand Faces was published in 1949. That's a little bit early. But like um, Joseph Campbell would have been teaching in like the 60s. He would have been a big deal. Like uh, George Lucas very specifically like he was friends with Joseph Campbell and like very specifically made um, the first, the first three star Wars to map on to the hero's journey perfectly. Um, and so I wonder if this idea was sort of clicking into the popular culture at that time. And that's why they kind of got this idea of like, what if we made up our own, you know, Campbellian Jungian archetype for this episode. And then Jean's like, I want cats. I want cobwebs. Yeah, I know. And we'll theme it around Halloween. And it's sexy. Bones comes back and now he's brainwashed and he takes Spock and Kirk back to the throne room. While they're walking back, we have a scene listening to the warlock couple. And there's only eight. Actually, there's only 18 minutes left in the episode. But only now are we kind of getting an idea of what's going on here. They're arguing and you don't really know what they're talking about. You have to get it out of context, but like they're basically saying that they recently assumed these human forms and uh, the Korab, the guy is mad at Sylvia for abusing her power. And you don't really know what they're talking about. And Korab isn't comfortable with all this violence, but you can tell Sylvia is wearing the pants in the relationships in the relationship. She threatens to kill him. And then Kirk enters the scene. So yeah, and then, like, but again, they're not really making it clear what Sylvia and Korab's missions are, and, she, like, and then she's kind of like, I want to, like, live in this world of sensations, join me, and he's like, that's not what we're supposed to do, and I'm like, why? Like, that sounds exactly like what Kirk is always telling people to do, is live in the world of being muddy, gross, violent humans. Like, it's just... It's like they're interesting characters, but they didn't figure out what their motivation was. And they're like, no one will notice if it's missing. Yeah, I mean, I guess the whole thing is that they're like explorers from outside our galaxy. And so they come to our galaxy. And I mean, I think they're just supposed to be explorers. They talk about the old ones. It's a very like Cthulhu 
um, and like uh, H.P. Lovecraft kind of vibe to it. But they're like mm. explorers from that. another galaxy exploring our galaxy. So they're just supposed to get like information on us. Um, but Sylvia is just getting all high on being a woman and she really likes it. And so she decides that she doesn't want to be an explorer anymore. She wants to be, you know, a, a, her, an, her own independent gal. Yeah. And like, this is what I'm saying that I don't understand why Kirk is so angry because that's what he's constantly, he's going to all these planets and he's like, you need to be human. And now he finally encounters an alien who wants to be human. And he says, quote, they're showing an undue interest in our world. And I'm like, what? You are always trying to get people to be more like you and you are mapping their world. No, that's not their world. They weren't there before. They're non-native. But I still, wanna... like, why is he so... He's doing the same thing they are. Because they killed his his person. They killed one of his crew members. But that's Emily, never did you not watch an the first argument... Minute? That's never an argument that Kirk makes. He's never like, you killed him and you're keeping them. Like, let them go and we're chill. He's just like, who are you to give a shit about Earth? And like, I don't like anything you stand for. I'm like, you don't even know what they stand for. I mean, okay. they, they've killed one of his crewmates, and then she's brainwashed two others. So it's he like... kills his crewmates all the time. Yeah, because they're his crewmates. You can break <laughs> your own toys. What does Sylvia want? Like, what is what is her goal? Because we have seen in a lot of recent episodes in season two that the aliens are... Like, Kirk is having to destroy the aliens because they are either threatening his crew or threatening his ship. And if there was an alternative where they were like, hey, we have a weird lifestyle, but we're just going to let you and your crew go, but never come back, he would probably be like, okay, but they kind of force his hand, and this keeps happening over and over and over. I don't understand what Sylvia wanted out of Kirk. Like, I don't she... either. Although at one point she wants his dick. Yeah, she's... She's like she cuz she she's like attracted to Kirk but she doesn't know it. She like she's having a hard time trying to figure out like her feelings. She's like I'm attracted to you like I want you but I don't know how I want you and all these feelings are also new to me, you know. Okay. So, so yeah. that's that's what I'm saying though like the entire episode relies on that and it is so unclear what mm-hmm. what their yeah. motive is. Mm-hmm. Um okay, so Sylvia tells Kirk that she comes from a world without sensation. And now that she has it, she wants it. She wants more of it. And she asks Kirk to team up with her. And so Kirk immediately sees an opportunity to seduce her. And he starts like, like without even like a beat, he gives her a massage and she starts shuddering. And then we see Korab watching from the shadows. Um, This is Kirk's jam. This is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, I want to watch. This is very, very uh, Zaf Brannigan as well. <laughs> I better seduce my way out of this. And he's just like rubbing her shoulder and winking at her colleague in the shadows. This this works on all the 19-year-olds. Oh, God. Ew. Cool. She says that she wants to join with Kirk. And like oh. they'll, com- <laughs> they'll combine minds. Oh. And... Kirk continues doing this like seductive thing. They start like uh, making out. And then she's like, you, you find me beautiful, but I can be many women. And then she goes to like a slideshow of these different smoke shows. Yeah. Fashion week. She heard about our segment. (laughs) Uh, While they're necking, Sylvia mentions that she, that 
in passing while they're like kissing she's like i'm nothing without my transmuter device like what <laughs> oh jesus christ Feathers yeah in the that wind. part i was like are you kidding me and then she reads kirk's mind and she's like oh you're just fucking with me like you don't really love me yeah so and then he goes she's like that's not cool and he's like why not you've been using me and my crew and i'm like what have they because i don't know what she wants has she been using them kirk is sent back to the dungeon with spock and then Korab, remember our, our old Smash Mouth Warlock, has a broken heart. <laughs> I wrote he had a broken heart because I thought they were like married, but apparently he's just like not happy with what Sylvia's doing. He's going to report uh, her to HR. Well, there was a time where he just like becomes cool because he's like, hey, why don't we just, you know, talk and like, I want to know about you guys and we can teach you about stuff too or something. Yeah, that Kirk's like, absolutely not. And then Sylvia's like, you thought I was a cat, but I'm a lady. Yeah, so I guess like Korab was trying to do it all peacefully, and Sylvia's like, I don't have time for this. And then she's like, going to start breaking out, like, in true cat form. She's like, I'm just going to bite your head off. Oh, let's get to that. Korab goes down to the dungeon and he frees Spock and Kirk because he's like, Sylvia's out of control. We have to stop her. They walk through the castle, and Korab is he, okay. So he has this wand. Uh, <laughs> And I wrote a stupid wand with a ping pong ball on it because it's just a rod with a ping pong ball on it. A glitter ping pong ball, Corey. Yeah. How could yeah. you? I think there's like glitter half filled in it so it sparkles when he moves it. It's like a snow globe without anything in it. And he's holding it out like Harry Potter, you know, dueling style to like defend <laughs> them from anything. And then down the corridor, we see the shadow of a cat. And it's growing into like it's growing in size, and then and you it, know there's the whole, there's the trumpet blare, and then we get our commercial break. And it's making like panther sounds. <laughs> Kirk asks Spock why they're seeing why it's a cat, so you know because we have this racial psychological theory, and Spock's like, oh well, the cat is the most terrifying animal in human history, so that's why we're seeing. <laughs> <laughs> back from back from the saber toothed tiger. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna call false on that. There's a <laughs> lot of animals that I find much more terrifying than cats. Yeah, but they're the most evil of all the predators. Yeah, but evil—that's not the most scary. Like a bear is worse. All right, the thing I love about this <laughs> giant cat scene is that they make a tiny little set for it to walk <laughs> through, like a corridor. <laughs> to make it look big and it just looks so so fake you can totally tell that they just took a regular cat and made this this oh, diorama so, it was so great i loved I it i love it yeah. i just I love too it's like this adorable fluffy house cat it's got a little collar <laughs> like walking around with its like pantaloons and they yeah you're right they have this they're trying to make it look like gigantic and it's just meowing and they have to like put scary like growl sounds over its mouth as it's like meow meow and then it's like ah okay here's my question though if you were going to do this same exact scene during like the peak of practical effects like the late 80s is it possible to do a good enough job designing that corridor set where it does look like there's a cat going through a corridor like a giant cat is that possible or is it always going to look stupid? I thought the f the dumber shot is there's one where like they run through a doorway and then they're trying to show that the cat wants to eat them up, but she can't fit. And it's like 
they're splicing together a close-up of the cat's face in the doorway. That one's pretty bad. The set well, is the not 60s, so bad. I love amazing. it. Yeah. yeah, that would have been amazing. Um, I One, I would not have changed the thing. I would have kept it exactly like this way. I think you could. I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's any way to make a cat look giant without you being able to tell. Like, in some miniature setting i'm not sure i mean one problem with the corridor is that there's it's basically gray so there's no like art in it so if you were to put like control panels that look really you know nice but even though they're really small but they look realistic it might be possible but i kind of doubt it it looks it's it looks horrible in this episode like um if they had like little um torches on the walls or something to give you a sense yeah, of scale is like little matches yeah 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 there's no scale so I, I think the, the the little model was actually too small. I think if they made it a little bit bigger, I think it would have looked more mm. realistic. I mean, my biggest complaint is that even when a, a house cat is giant, it's still going to look cute. Like, mm-hmm. they have, like, the round baby face with the big eyes. Like, they've evolved to look cute and babyish, so you take care of them. So, like... Even though I know it's giant and it wants to eat me, like there's no signals that say scary predator. I'm just like, well, this is how I die petting this giant cat. <laughs> like, you know, like Emily? tigers are scary. Their eyes are different. Their ears are, they have these huge muscles in their shoulders, you know? Emily, I don't know what you're talking about. These are two aliens that came from a different galaxy to read human subconscious, and they determined that the scariest thing to humans was that thing that they made. <laughs> That's I don't know. They should have done like a tarantula, right? Or a snake? Uh, I mean, I feel like the only real universal taboo I know of is your own poop. So maybe like your own poop. <laughs> your own poop monster. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure tarantulas and snakes, like, yeah, are scarier to humans, but, like, no one wanted to fuck with that on set. They're just like, we'll grab a cat. They're like, do you know how hard it is to get three snakes that look exactly the same? We could get, like, ten black cats that look exactly the same. Cats it is. If there is one animal that would be impossible to, like, direct on a stage, it would be a cat. Like, a (laughs) snake will just go wherever you put the food in front of it. I think that's uh, why there are so many shots of the cat just walking different places because the cat's like, this is all I want to do. And they're like, well, <laughs> we got to ride around the star, guys. I mean, maybe they just put 10 cameras up all over the set and then they just let the cat go for an hour and then they just cut together the bits that they needed. Yeah. Like, oh, after 45 minutes, it went into the tiny tunnel finally. Let's use that shot. <laughs> it's the 60s. They probably didn't feed the cat for like two days and then opened a can of tuna where they wanted it to run. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so they go back to the dungeon uh, after the cat's chasing them. And I wrote back in all caps because this is now like the fourth time we've gone back to the dungeon. The Mm. plot is just moving at a crazy pace. The cat slams into the dungeon door and crushes Korab to death. And his last words are, go! And Kirk and Spock escape through a hole in the ceiling of the dungeon. Well, not before Kirk Kirk is just like, yoink! And he takes his magic wand. I'll I'll be taking this. Yeah. that's right he looted his wand uh and it's the same hole that they fell in at the start and i guess with their infinite capacity for creating illusions um korab and sylvia never repaired that hole at the top <laughs> of the dungeon okay the, the the episode's been pretty stupid but here comes the best scene in the episode suddenly in the corridor mccoy and scotty appear 
wielding what <laughs> morning stars like, even like maces <laughs> yeah yeah okay uh kirk knocks bones out with his goddamn fists it's morning star <laughs> against fists i'm not gonna lie to you i miss the morning star yeah they had like medieval clubs I, yeah like maces i looked down and when i looked up they were already knocked out it was a short scene like sulu immediately neck pinches scotty so bones and scotty both go down yeah and then sulu comes in no 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 the the final boss sulu oh yeah in. yeah well, and he goes yeah, yeah. <laughs> he starts fighting kirk with karate but Kirk punks him pretty fast too, doesn't he? Oh, it's like within five seconds. Yeah. And I, I can only imagine the conversation that George Takei got after reading the script where he's like, uh, okay, I just read the script. Why is Sulu doing karate when the other two get weapons? And then the writer's like, that's right, George, karate, go get him. Racism. And then George is like, but I don't know how to fight karate. And then the writer's like, hmm, I think you'll find that you do. Get on the set. Just, just get drunk like you did before we filmed that one episode. Just use your racial memory. Access your racial subconscious. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Sulu gets punked and then... Uh, oh, and then Kirk kicks Bones in the face one more time for good measure. Yeah, well, he's trying to sneak up on uh, on on Kirk, and Spock is like, "Watch out!" And then he's just like, "Slap!" Yeah. Okay. Uh, they escape the cat. Sylvia appears. She says that she needs human dreams and ambitions to power her illusions. And then Kirk slams the wand on the table, and the castle disappears. And she, he kills. Well, he doesn't kill Sylvia because now they're standing on a barren planet. And what do they see? There's like two little colorful shrimps that are clearly waving their arms around in distress. They they actually yes they see um they see blue fluff pipe cleaners crab pincers and other material. Stupid mm. fucking lobster furbies. <laughs> yeah. And and they're tiny. They they're like them. smaller than the feet of the humans. And and that's the true forms of the mo- of the aliens, and then they die, and then everyone's back to normal, and they go back to the ship, and that's it. Yeah, this is the first episode where they don't have a post adventure quip at the end. I think. Yeah, well, like Scotty says his first line of the whole thing, he's like, "Oh, it was all an illusion," and then Sulu didn't say anything this entire episode. Hmm. Yeah, and then game over. Yeah, yeah and. Uh, Kirk lets them die. So I think that this counts for Kirk's kill count. All right, guys. So thumbs up or down. Let's start with Emily. Thumbs up or down. I mean, listen, I love this cat and all cats, but this cat specifically. Um, I, I had fun, although the lack of motivation on the villain was super disappointing and like got this claggy confusing middle but i do like the spooky vibe uh i'll give it a middle with a little bit of upward trajectory Mm, okay it's it's a not a great episode but it is speaking to basically all the things i love mm -hmm. yes i'm gonna give it a slight thumbs up i like everything about this episode except for the plot like the plot's real bad yeah, but I, like the spookiness and all the characters, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's the plot is just so bad. Kirk right. is feeling himself. Yeah, we got the Kirk swagger here. 
All right. Uh, Corey, what did you think of this episode? Okay. The, yeah, you're right. The plot is so stupid. I love Halloween episodes. I, I do like the theme. It's like, it's not bad. It's all, it's like, it's, it's bad, but there are some episodes we've seen that are just, you're just grinding your teeth while you're watching them. Um, it, it keeps its pace fine and it's entertaining. So this is like the most middle thumb episode I can possibly <laughs> award. I think if anyone was to ask me like overall what are my impressions about tos i would say just skip the first season entirely like i would give three episodes from the first season and then two from the second season wow i would i would be like just start with the second season because Corey's right like this like the plot issue was frustrating but it was still like enjoyable to watch there were a lot in the first season where I was like, I'm not even enjoying watching this, except for the <laughs> fact that we're going to make fun of it later. Uh, uh, hey, I have a really quick rewrite, if you guys want to hear it, and then we can start wrapping this up. Yeah, let's yes. do it. Okay, I'm just going to give this you lightning fast. Okay? Wait, more cats? No, more cats. actually, there's no cats. I wrote the cats out. No. Okay, so... You just lost us, Corey. No, yeah. just stay with me. Pass. I think this... I, this isn't even like a funny rewrite. I think it's just like a good fix to the episode. So Sylvia and Korab, they they actually crash land on this planet. Their powers are fueled by brainwaves of other life forms. So maybe they had like other life forms on their ship, but they died. So now they're like starving for nu- nutrients from brainwaves. Mm. Um, so they don't have enough power to get off of this planet. So they're very lucky when the Enterprise shows up. And their goal this entire episode is to lure as many people from the Enterprise down to the planet as possible. So Sylvia is doing is willing to do whatever it takes to bring more people down, but Karab is like, no, we need to like just be honest with them and come clean. Like we need we need your brain power in it in order for us to get off the planet so we can leave. Um, but it turns out that sucking the brain waves is really bad for humans. It like turns you into a zombie. So Kirk's like, well, they're asking for our help, but we can't really give them help because it hurts us. Okay. So here's the, here's the, the, the thing though. Sylvia actually already has the away team that beamed down at the start and they are comatose somewhere in the castle, but she made a, um, facsimile of them so they seem like they're normal so the actors don't have to act like zombies the entire time so like sulu and scotty are like they're trying to help kirk out solve the mystery but they're really working for sylvia um so kirk's goal so korab wants to get everyone on the enterprise down to the ship sylvia is trying to do that a lot faster and a lot more violent kirk's not going to cooperate and then the rest of the episode goes as normal so it just gives you like some kind of a motivation they need humans as mana basically and they're like that's that's the draw like that's that's what the episode hinges on because the way the episode stood already like that psychological bullshit like it just did not work at all i 100 percent agree with your rewrite i love it i love that you give them a motivation it's a motivation that makes sense that is sympathetic my alternate ending is that korab is like yes let's be honest sylvia's like no we have to trick them and he's like "Mm, maybe you're right and so they do trick them. And then Korab's like, we have enough brain juice to escape. Let's let them go. Let's tell them what's up. And then Sylvia's like, no, I love this. We could be so powerful. We oh, could she's like power drunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would also like it even more. I would say maybe the harvesting doesn't hurt them. So then, then it's like, Korab's like, let's just be honest with them. They'll help us. Everyone can go on their way. And she's like, no, they won't. 
Like, they're, you know, no one will help us. And this is why we have to, like, keep them on a brain farm and have them be our slaves. And that's and what that- breaks Korab. He's like, no, you finally crossed a line. I think I think those are both really good suggestions. And I think it kind of zeroes in on the weakness of this episode. And a lot of episodes is just, like, the conflict seems very forced. And I think that was the biggest weakness of this episode is, like, you didn't really know why they were in conflict. And, yeah, it makes sense that, like, they killed his crew and that, that sort of thing, which it does it, like, they don't tell you why he had to die. That guy died at like, all. Right. It doesn't even make sense in the context. Why did they kill him and tell him to go away if they were trying to study them? Yeah, no, they're like telling him to leave, but they wanted him to stay. It, it just did not work. So yeah, I think we got a good motivation for them now. And at the end of the episode, it all zooms out. And like, you just see like the galaxy and it zooms out even more. And then we zoom out outside of a glass ball around uh, on on a collar. And who's wearing the collar? <laughs> it's a cat. Oh. Wow. That's such a fantastically original idea. That is that one alone. Let's take it to the bank. <laughs> With that note, I think I think that's it for this week's episode. So we thanks. Love every- you, we love you. We, we love you. We love you. But we not each other. Thanks for thanks for listening and until we see you next time keep on trekking